Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we check in with Derek Taylor live from the Gold Eyes game, previewing the Montreal Alouettes visit to Winnipeg Thursday night. And then Murata Tesh of The Athletic will join us to talk about the Winnipeg Jets, their offseason signings, what more they can do with their cap space. That's coming up on the podcast. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers tomorrow night take on the Montreal Alouettes, looking to improve to 10-0 and on the season. And joining us now is the voice of the Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor. But before we get to that game, Derek, tell us where you are right now. Oh, I'm at Shaw Park for the Gold Ice game, and the Gold Ice are giving it to Milwaukee 3-0. This is all right. I had, I'm already one brisket sandwich deep. I feel like there's another one in the works. <laughs> is this your first time getting out to the Diamond to this season? Yeah, this season, I, I wouldn't have been here to, to a game since 2014. Oh, man, no, it's it's exactly as I remember it. It's just fantastic. And, yeah, perfect night for baseball. The location is obviously amazing, as everybody knows. There's, you got to go to Gold Ice Games. you got to go. It's too, it's too good. It's too much of a treasure in our city. Is that when you were working for Global? Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I... Gosh, I would have thrown out the first pitch in like a game in 2013 or so. Yeah, but yeah, it would have been 2014 back in the old global days. Wow. And I love that you can get the ambient background noise of not just the, the people in the crowd, but the trains that go by all the time <laughs> screeching the rail. The live sound of a baseball game. Love that. Well, Derek, let's talk about tomorrow night's football game. The Blue Bombers getting Greg Ellingson back today. That's the, the headliner. How impressed were you that they were able to make do without him the last three games? I don't want to say shocked, but it's on the spectrum on the way to shocked, right? Because Ellingson was among the league's leading receivers, and you thought, okay, well, he was down. Uh, Nick Dembski went down. Brendan O'Leary-Orange, who was filling in for Nick Dembski, went down. You go, at some point, they're running out of bodies, aren't they? And nope, because here's Dalton Schoen. And Drew Wolitarski last week had 90 yards in his in his uh, highest yardage in a game ever. And you go, it's just been super impressive for a team that I didn't think was particularly stacked at elite-level receivers. Uh, to lose Ellingson, I thought was going to be a problem, but I mean, the Dalton Schoen show really helped make sure that that wasn't the case. And then, of course, Carlton Agadosi had the big game uh, right. in the game that Ellingson lit up Calgary and then got hurt the very next week. So he's another name that's on the six game list. But the Bombers are getting healthy now. No players left on the one game list. Obviously, a lot of bumps and bruises. Do you get a sense that this team really wants a bye week, or are they just so business like that? They'll just play 18 in a row. I feel like when you've won you know, nine in a row and you're probably going to win 10 in a row as of tomorrow, you probably just want to keep playing, right? Like everything feels great and everything's fantastic and we are getting healthier without a break, but it, it, it's time, right? Like it, the goal isn't to go 10 and 0 and tie the all-time Bombers record. It isn't go 12 and 0 and tie the all-time CFL record. And it isn't to go 16 and 2 and tie the all-time, you know, the Edmonton 89 regular season record. It's to win the Great Cup, right? So... I, you feel like they're going to harness these three weeks off that they have over the next uh, 11 weeks and, and really just kind of bear down and be ready. Because right now, probable that they're hosting the West Final. It's at least probable. So, you know, achieve their goals along the way. And you just got to be healthy for that big game. That's that's the key. This is all great. This is all fine. But but none of it matters because like that 16-2 and Edmonton team in 89 – uh, they didn't win the Grey Cup, and they probably all regret the fact that they didn't win the Grey Cup, and 16 wins probably didn't mean a bunch. Well, and six teams before have started 10-0, and 0, and only two of them won the Grey Cup. 
the 1960 Bombers team did not win the Grey Cup that season. So sometimes you need to lose before you win. Now, as far as the, the game tomorrow is concerned, we've talked before about how the, the Bombers seem to quote-unquote play down to some of their competitors. They were tied going into the fourth quarter last week and then ran away with it. Uh, going into tomorrow's game, do you think last week's instructive for the Bombers in, in not taking an opponent lightly? What do you think was it that had the Bombers, you know, on the ropes a little bit last week? Well, I, I think so much of it was the defense, right? Right. Uh, the Bombers, Kolaris, you know, dropping back was blitzed almost 70% of the time that he dropped back. 70% is an incredible number. It's the highest they've faced all season. And you just don't see teams do that. And then Kolaris, you know, because he didn't blitz so much, he's under pressure so much. That was literally 40% of his snaps. He was under pressure. And it results in, you know, the interception that, that Wesley Sutton took away. And, you know, the miscommunication, whatever that was, with Drew Wolitarski going right to left. The third one, okay, kind of lucky, but uh, Nick Usher forces the fumble. And you go, okay, well, if, if they said, and they were talking today, that, hey, it was stuff we hadn't seen from Montreal before, they hadn't put that on film. Well, can Montreal really come up with new, brand new things that Winnipeg hasn't seen on film? I kind of doubt it. But uh, Noel Thorpe's got a reputation in the CFL for, you know, being aggressive and designing good schemes. So uh, maybe they can. But I think the Bombers, with the way they played that fourth quarter, are way more confident that the offense can handle whatever Montreal throws at them. And the Bombers getting a home game for once. Uh, they have not played a, many home games this year. Last home date was that win over the Stampeders back on July 15th. Also a win over Hamilton week three and week one against Ottawa, just three home games uh, so far this season. How excited do you think they are to play at home and wear these uh, alternate uniforms for the first time? Those alternate uniforms look sharp. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be mad at the, the fact there's not a giant number on the front as well, but that's something I would wear around town if I was, you know, uh, younger and cooler than I currently am. I, honestly, I, I think they're going to be happy about it because – no matter what, right? They did the Toronto BC thing pretty easily. They handled the Calgary Montreal pretty well, but it, it takes a toll, right? Even for me, I'm like, oh, this is, I'm exhausted. Uh, you know, guys aren't smashing me 70 times a game. That it can't help but take a toll. But so you get to sleep in your own bed. For guys with family in town, they get to be with their family. And just from a, from a probability perspective, right? To to win to win at home is easier than to win on the road. It's it's in every sport and it's shown. Over time, six of their last nine are at home, and they're not against the toughest competition that we have in the Canadian Football League. I, I think they, I think they have to really be salivating about what these last nine games are going to be. I asked Doug Brown about it last night on the show, and uh, he said it depended on who was the coach. But what it is like going into a bye week? What kind of focus do you have in that game going in? And I sense that for the Blue Bombers, they got three buys. Doug obviously only had one back in the day, but they get three buys this season. I don't get the sense that they're looking forward to the bye week because I don't think Mike O'Shea would let them. Yeah, well, I was thinking about it in this, and tell me if I'm nuts, Christian, but in, in a way it's kind of like our jobs, right? Like the last thing you do in your workday, you have to be your absolute best at, right? Because you're on the radio. You know, I have to go perform for a couple hours on the radio. I have to be my absolute best. That's kind of what they do, right? It's the last thing they do in their work week has to be the absolute pinnacle of it. So you don't really get a chance to, to look past it because for them, it's it's the thing they've wanted to do all week. It's the thing they've been, you know, wanting to do all their lives. And it's it's the last thing before the break. 
the break will take care of itself. It's coming regardless, but you really want to go out there and play. And I thought, yeah, you know what? I always, my, my last game before the break, I, I want to perform and I want to, you know, I want to ball out in the booth with, with Doug Brown. So I, I thought there's some interesting parallels between that and broadcasting and how they'll approach it. I, I can't imagine they're, they're looking past it because you only get, I mean, the Bombers will only get 20 opportunities to play football this year, right? And you're getting paid and you want more money next year and you want great cup, you know, a third straight great cup. I can't imagine they're looking past it. But a lot, O'Shea really, you hear guys, you, you listen to the interviews every day. The guys say exactly what O'Shea says, right? It's very clear the message gets across to every player in that locker room. Absolutely. Now, from your point of view of uh, calling the game, do you see a scenario that the Bombers can lose? I know last week we saw them, you know, go into the fourth quarter tied. What would have to happen for Winnipeg to not get the W tomorrow night? Well, much along the lines of, of last week, right? Uh, Winnipeg had more turnovers than Montreal, and they took more penalties than Montreal. The penalty yardage was probably pretty close, but it was four live ball turnovers to three for Montreal. It, it would be turnovers, and it would be special teams plays. The you know Bombers got the special teams return, but what if that had been uh, what if that had been Tyson Philpot, who looked really good? In his uh, in his little spurts, uh, he had a three-play sequence in, during the middle of the game that really you know gave Montreal a lot of hope. It, it would have to be big plays. It'd have to be Geno Lewis big plays, uh, their star wide receiver, special teams big plays, interceptions returned for a touchdown. I just I have a tough time thinking that Zach is going to have two bad games in a row, like three interception games consecutively, something to that level. I just I have a tough time seeing it. So Winnipeg is a they're a double-digit point favorite, and and it, I mean, it's just we saw it on the field. If not for all those turnovers, if Winnipeg plays a clean game, they win that by what forty? Like it was, it, it would have to be, it would have to go very wrong for the Bombers in multiple ways in my mind for for them to not be ten and zero if we're talking this time tomorrow. Well, because I think the way I look at it, Derek, is that Montreal would need to score on defense or score on special teams. Uh, in yep. order to, to put up enough points to win, just because I don't think the Bomber defense is going to allow enough to this Montreal offense that really we didn't see anything from last week. Really, the only that big drive they had was after it was out of reach with Dom Davis at the end. And then other than that kickoff return by Tyson Philpott, their field position all night was pretty bad. Yeah, they, they weren't particularly adept at running the football. Uh, Trevor Harris had sub 200 yards passing. Like, I don't, I don't think he got... You may know the number better than I do, but I don't think you got real close to 200 yards passing. They they couldn't do much of, of anything. They're not they're not overwhelmingly talented, and Harris is not a. There were there were a number of deep balls last week, but he's not an overly aggressive quarterback the way that Kolaris is, right? So, yeah, it's it, it's a tough task. I mean, sometimes you just you have more talent than the than the opposition, and that doesn't determine who's going to win, but. I would way rather have the team with more talent than, than the team with less talent, for sure. He did not come close. He had 127 yards passing last week. There it is, yeah. Uh, one touchdown, yeah, two that, picks. That's what it felt like. Yeah, that's what yeah. it felt like, right? I mean, yeah. And then that didn't even entail, you know, Willie Jefferson didn't wreck his life, right? There was a Jeff Coach sack. There was a Ricky Walker sack, which was a real solid shot. Uh, the defense didn't appear to overwhelm, but still was – way more than good enough to uh, to hold a team down. So, yeah, where are you getting 27 points from? I I don't know how Montreal gets there without the stuff that you mentioned. Finally, flyover tomorrow night. You like flyovers? Uh, 
it's already definitely loud in there because there's going to be 28.5 plus as far as 28,000 plus fans there. Uh, I do. I do. They're super cool. Doug, and Doug Brown is a big fan of them. Like, yeah, that, that gets players jacked up because they uh, they feel it. So, yeah, I I do. But I, I, I pity my earballs on that one because it's it's so loud in that stadium. Dude. Well, you're on the sideline. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's so loud in there that I it may just get lost in the in the uh, excitement of the crowd of a team going for ten and zero. Absolutely. Well, Derek, appreciate your time as always. Go enjoy the Gold Eyes game, and we'll talk to you tomorrow night. Thanks, brother. Winnipeg Jets today signed for David Gossips into a two-year deal worth seven hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars per season. The 22-year-old Swede has played 28 games in the NHL, though just six over the last two seasons because of injury. Here to discuss that and all things Jets is Murat Atesh, athletic beat writer covering the team. Uh, Murat, what do you see David Gustafson's role on the Jets being this upcoming season? Well, I think one of the things to keep in mind about David Gustafson right now is that he is no longer waivers exempt, which means if Winnipeg wants him to play in Manitoba this year as, as a Manitoba moves, they have to pass him through waivers. And he's too good, too promising, too young for that to have a realistic shot in my mind. So my way of thinking is David Gustafson is an NHL player this year. And the only question remaining is, well, can he stay healthy? Because his two brief stints with Winnipeg last year, you know, he was playing really well for the moves. He got called up. He had earned it. He got hurt right away. and. If he can stay healthy, well, then where is his role? And I, I think there's plenty of opportunity on the fourth line to be sure. There could even be a job opening on that left wing, on that third line as well, if Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton are two-thirds of it. They need help, and they need defensively sound help, and Gustafson could be that guy. So we we see that he's probably going to be on the roster. If you go on cap-friendly, which I know we both do quite a bit when we're doing our jobs covering the Jets, they have listed 10 forwards right now. We expect Gustafson would be an 11th on that list, and then Cole Perfetti could be number 12. Is that a lineup, a 12-man lineup that can go on a run, or do they need more help up front? I think Winnipeg, as positioned, we're looking at a bubble team. We're looking at an if everything goes right, if Connor Hellebuck bounces back to star status instead of being kind of average like he was last year, as overworked as he was, if Winnipeg's defense can improve collectively, and if you know the the forwards, the big name guys, Kyle Connor scores just as much as he did. If Nikolai Ehlers takes a step forward, if Shifling Dubois play like the good versions of themselves for the majority of the season. Well, then you're probably looking at a bubble team, a playoff possible team. If you're talking about a run, Christian, for me, uh, I need, I mean, coaching would have to have a tremendous impact. And I also think that they need more depth up front. So, you know, we're not looking at the 28-year-old version of Blake Wheeler anymore. Uh, he's not one of the league's few elite forwards like he was for a little while. And then, you know, with the various trades that we've seen over the last several seasons, it's not as though Winnipeg is from one to 12 on that depth chart, you know, one of the best forward groups in the league. If Winnipeg goes on a run, they probably need to supplement that group. I don't know if that means a trade from the defense because there are so many defensemen under contract. They have a little bit of cap space to work with as well. Uh, I think that's where you, where you're looking for help is up front. And of course, you know, maybe it's the youth too to add a third option for you where maybe Cole Perfetti has an incredible sophomore season or maybe they're younger players like, you know, David Gustafson or Morgan Barron who can uh, show a little bit more in, in bigger roles than we've seen in the past. 
So on the note of players available, I know you have a, a new article on The Athletic about the guys that are out there. One of them, Johan Larson, it uh, looks like he's going to be signing a contract overseas, a, a good defensive forward that was a good defensive forward on really bad teams in Buffalo and Arizona. Uh, who's out there for the Jets as we right now see them? If you add Perfetti's and Gustafson's contracts, they still have over $4 million in cap space here to work with. Exactly. That's a, that's an important consideration. Winnipeg has the option, and there are people on the market that could help in that third-line sort of role if Winnipeg's not ready to hand the keys to some of those younger guys. For me, Johan Larson was a, a tremendous option. I mean, like you say, he was on some bad teams, but run like the second-line center on those teams, and everybody that played with him had strong defensive results. Craig Morgan out of Arizona, by the way, is reporting that he had offers uh, from NHL teams, but chose to go to Sweden for a bigger role. I'm unsure as of yet if Winnipeg was one of those teams that made an offer. But moving on past Larson on the list of forwards, Sonny Milano is an interesting player out of Anaheim. Um, he's done, he scored about one highlight real goal per season for the last little while. The most recent one being, I'm not sure if you saw this, Christian, but it was one of those Trevor Zegras Michigan styles where he picks the buck on his stick behind the net and he gently tosses it over the net. And Sonny Milano was the guy that bat batted that puck in this year for Anaheim. That's fun. He does have a tremendous amount of skill, but I think that there's a you know question marks about his ability to put it all together, be a consistent player, listen to coaching, all that sort of stuff, which is part of why Anaheim may have let him go. Another favorite, though, I have probably even more so than Milano is Evan Rodriguez out of, of Pittsburgh, who at 29 years old never had a huge amount of offense before, but with injuries to Crosby and Malkin this past season, stepped into a bigger role, cleared 43 points in 82 games played, really helps possession-wise, and is really just a smart player. It carries the puck really well, reads defenses, is very patient, picks them apart, and then makes the plays that he needs to make. That's a player that I could see excelling in a third-line center or wing sort of role. Um, but there are options. And you know what? I'll just end with a name. I won't deep dive it because Jets fans will know him well. I honestly think, as long as he can provide what he did last year, the best remaining free agent available, Paul Stastny. Are you surprised that Stastny and Rodriguez, the players you mentioned, and also the likes of Nazem Kadri, Phil Kessel, are unsigned on August 10th? You know, this is kind of getting to that part of summer. I mean, it seems like every year there's a couple of guys in these in these waters where you know that they're NHL quality players and you're just waiting to see what happens. I think this might be a tremendous amount of cap space being used up league-wide, even more so than, than in past years, perhaps, because, you know, as we know, the pandemic has infected, or sorry, has infected, has affected uh, revenues for the NHL teams these last several seasons. And I think that the NHL, um, you know, had anticipated more than 82 and a half million for each team to work with. So teams are running out of space. That might be part of it. Um, and certainly the sheer volume of useful guys does surprise me a little bit. So maybe Kadri gets resolved soon, you know, lots of rumors about Long Island and maybe that happens. Um, and maybe some things fall into place after that because Paul Stastny could jump into that role in Colorado, for example, and help out the Avalanche, who will need center help if Kadri signs in Long Island. There are certain dominoes like that, but the, the sheer volume of bottom six forwards, for example, that can help NHL teams, I think it's it stands out for sure it does. The fact that the Jets have 
essentially at this point, and obviously we're still a couple months out from the start of the season, but at this point are saying to their fans, we're running it back. Is that just an admission that the coaching was the problem last year? Is that their, their running philosophy here? You know, honestly, Christian, that sounds, it sounds wishful to me is what that sounds like, because we, we saw some very good players have some rough seasons last year. We heard a lot of criticism from the team directed at the team about how they played. And then in the off season, we heard Kevin Dayoff say, well, you know what? A year ago when we signed Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt, there were media thinking about us as a Stanley Cup contender. So we believe we can run, you know, a, a, the same team and have success. Well, if that's sincerely what they believe, I think it's wishful because on paper, as constructed, I know I, I don't know what you were calling, but my analysis had them as a bubble team, probably making the playoffs, but certainly not a not a conference finalist, not a cup contender, anything to that effect. So it seems as though if that is the message that Winnipeg might rate its own roster a little bit more highly than than other others would do. Um but it also might just be a reflection that of all the chaos around the team, the possibility that, you know, I mean, Shifley's an unrestricted free agent in two years. So is Wheeler. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, there were trade rumors about him various times throughout the offseason. And, you know, there are problems that Winnipeg still needs to solve. This might just be a team that is holding it together for one more year before some of those big decisions have to get made. And this is what they're getting. They're hoping for the playoffs and uh, and the rest of the chips will fall as they may uh, you know, after this season, depending on how well they do, that's just trying to sell us on the possibility that they're really quite a deep team right now. Could work. I mean, there's a there's a chance it could work, but there's also you know evidence from last year that the players they brought in and they're spending a decent bit of money on the blue line for, like Nate Schmidt is making almost six million dollars, and Brendan Dillon almost four million. You look at that cap space, and if it doesn't work out, you think of Andrew Kopp now being gone and and the trickle-down of, of having all that money on the blue line right now. Do we still think that there's a move to be made on the back end, or are they sincerely going to stick with this seven? Well, every day that goes by between now and camp at this stage seems to imply that what you see is what you get. And... You know, th- it seems like any major moves aren't necessarily happening this off season. Now that could change in a day. I mean, you know, we could record uh, or we, sort of, we could broadcast this, and then you know later tonight there could be a, a a move that changes everything. But I'm not, I'm not sure at this stage. The one thing that I know is that Winnipeg, to my mind, has too many NHL capable defensemen on the roster and could use help up front. And that imbalance does tend to lead to moves. I don't know if they're sort of gambling. Okay, well, what if somebody gets hurt? I mean, we know Dylan Samberg got hurt on day one of camp last season. So maybe there's they're really looking at insulating themselves against injury. But with Morrissey and Pionk and Schmidt and Dylan, like you just named, Dylan DeMello, Logan Stanley, and Jonathan Kovacevic, who also... Um, needs waivers now for the first time. That's seven players before even getting into top prospects like Samberg or Ville Hainala. So there's a lot there. And it seems to me that, you know, at some point another shoe is going to have to drop with these guys. Uh, before I let you go, the World Juniors uh, started yesterday. Obviously, looking at Brad Lambert for Finland, Daniel Torgerson having a good day today for Sweden. Did you remember that this tournament was happening right now? Because honestly, till yesterday, I'd forgotten. <laughs> I mean, I remember that it was happening to be sure. I mean, it's such a, I mean, such a strange time for the tournament given, you know, obviously it was canceled or postponed part of me last December. 
Um, it's not getting the same hoopla and fanfare. And, you know, perhaps that's the timing of the summer that it is. Perhaps it's the Hockey Canada, you know, news of 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 late that makes it hard to cheer for compared to past years. But for Winnipeg Jets fans, there are there is a lot to watch. And, you know, Brad Lambert scored a really nice power play goal the other night. Uh, Torgerson for Sweden is performing as well and, and is scoring as well. So there are some nice, nice pieces to watch. I'm not all over it the way that I would be at, at you know, the, its typical time in the calendar. But Winnipeg has some players making some noise, and that's nice to see. And we'll hope that they can sort of use that as momentum into the top prospects tournament in September in Penticton or even Jets camp in, in full when it gets going. Well, I guess I should ask you, too, about Mason Appleton. He was just signed over the weekend. It's been a few days, but he's under contract now. Do you like the deal he signed? Yeah, I think it's a sign. It's just slightly over what I would have projected for him. I think it's 2.17 yep. million um, uh, annual average value. And that's a little bit more than I was imagining. I was thinking it'd be high ones or maybe two. Um, I think what it says is two things. One, Appleton gave up two years of unrestricted free agency. So it's a three-year deal. Uh, the first year while well, he was uh, you know, under Jets control anyway. But two more years you know, he wanted term. And I think that's a good thing for Winnipeg right now, a little bit of stability in that middle six forward group going forward. I think that's very important to the club. So perhaps that a few extra dollars come that way. And the other thing, because it's not, you know, dirt cheap, it's not a bargain or 1.5 million or something to that effect. I mean, it is a raise. I think that there's opportunity for Appleton Maybe in these next couple of years, maybe as soon as this season, beyond that third line that I'm sure we're all penciling him in on, you know, he's been good with Adam Lowry. He could be part of a checking line that does the tough minutes if Rick Bonus wants to, to to deploy him that way. But as the years go by, I mean, there could be some second line right wing minutes available if he grows into them as Blake Wheeler gives some of those minutes away. And I think that a little bit of extra money here maybe projects some growth into his game as well. Rat, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and we'll check in again as we get closer to the start of the season. Right on. Thanks for having me, Christian. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all, but